to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles tonight. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for revelation on the kingdom of God. Father, as we grow in your, in your ways and in your will, we thank you that we will fulfill the purpose that you put us here on earth to do. Oh, we just want to have a good time while we're doing it, Lord, and we thank you for it. We thank you for supplying everything that we need to do it. We give you praise for everything you continue to reveal to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, jealousies, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like, of the which, which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no what? No law. All right, tonight I want to talk to you about something very important, I believe, and that's culture. Culture. There is a culture to the kingdom of darkness, and there is a culture to the kingdom of light. There's a culture to the world, and there's a culture to God's culture. So we have to understand which culture belongs to which in order that we may live in the culture that we want to live in. So culture, basically if you understand culture, you understand a person. If you understand culture, you will understand the people of a certain area or even in a certain country. Everything that makes a nation a nation and a people a people is wrapped up in their culture. There are certain components of culture. Now, as we go through these tonight, you're going to see some things even going on in the world right now, and it's going to make some of your eyes open up to some things that are happening when you understand how important culture is. Basically, most governments, if you study governments at all, you're going to find out that a lot of the little governments are taken over basically by somebody who's bigger than they are, and they take over their government, and they take over their land. But if you go back and you check out all the real governments, like the Roman government back in those days, they didn't have to worry about being bombed. They didn't have to worry about uh, nuking. They didn't have to worry about all this stuff. They were destroyed from within. In other words, their, their kingdoms went down because there was a culture inside that started to grow on the inside that was not lined up with their government or with God, and basically that's what destroyed them. No other country did that. So you've got to understand one of the greatest threats even in America today and in your Christian life and in your kingdom life is your culture because that's something on the inside of you. It's not something basically out here on the outside of you. So every culture basically has, number one, a country. It has a country and it has land. Without land, of course, there is no country to begin with. Without land, there is no kingdom. So the land people inhabit influence the culture that they develop. You can tell where somebody else is from. You can tell if they're from a different country. They look different. They talk different. They dress different. Why? Because they're from a different culture. In the United States, you can tell the northerners from the southerners. You can tell sometime by what to eat, you know. I never heard of grits till I moved south, praise God. Didn't know there was such a thing. Why is that? Because there's a culture. Even in the area that you're in and that you were born in, there is a different culture. So language, basically, and what you wear and, and basically what you eat basically tell you something about the culture. There's a big difference between people who grew up in a great big city and some who grew up on the farm. 
Some people say he's just a farm boy, and they may make fun of him, but they're just grown up in a different culture, in a different place, and basically it's the culture that what formed them. None of us grew, or none of us were born into the world with a culture. We were born into a culture. In other words, when you came as a baby and you were born in this world, you came with a blank sheet. You didn't know nothing about nothing. So where did you learn everything? Well, you learned it from your parents. You learned it from your friends. You learned it from where you lived. You learned it from the people around you. You learned it from what you saw on TV. You learned it from what you did. And all that formed a culture in you that you believed in and and made you the person that you are culture-wise. The second thing every country has is a language. Every country has a language. So basically, if you talk about the United Nations, has never really done anything for anyone except suck money out of people. Why is that? Because they're not one language. They all have a different language. Whenever you have different languages, it's confusion. Whenever you have different languages, there's no agreement there. The United States, just over the last 10, 15 years, has become what they call bilingual. You cannot remain a country and be bilingual. You need to all speak one language. Remember back when we talked about the Tower of Babel? All the people in the world were speaking one language, and anything that they wanted to do, as long as they were speaking one language, they could do. So any country, as long as they're speaking the same language, can prosper, can grow, as long as they're speaking one language. So what did he do? He basically confused their language. And when he did, what happened? The whole place fell apart. They couldn't build anymore. They couldn't get along. They couldn't communicate with each other. So language is very, very important that there's only one language. The kingdom of God has one language. How many know the United States doesn't have one language anymore? Once again, you see culture changing in the nation. When people came to the United States years ago, they had to learn English. That was part of their coming in to do it. Now it doesn't work that way. You've got people who are citizens who don't speak it, and even people who just come across and aren't citizens who don't speak it. So you can go in a store. I remember when my my son worked down at Miami. I went down there to a restaurant. They handed me a menu. I had no idea what it said. I mean, it was all in different language. It was in Cuban. It was in this and that. And all I understand is English. So I gave it to him, told him to order me something. And he did. And thank God it was something plain and good because I ate it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have ate it. Praise God. So what is that? That's language. Language is a key. Another one, all countries have laws. If you're going to be a country, you're going to be a kingdom, you have to have certain laws that basically keep people in line to keep peace, to keep order, and to keep security for all of its citizens. In the United States right now, we're seeing laws being attacked. We're seeing people who are supposed to be prosecuting people who commit crimes not prosecuted anymore. You can see it slowly deteriorating, the culture of the country. You can go burn down a city and nothing happens anymore. Why? Because we're shifting to a lawless culture that we've never had before, but it's going on right now. So basically, we've had defund the police. We've had all these things. What are those? That's ways of changing the culture into lawlessness to destroy a country. How many know there's no lawlessness in the kingdom of God? I mean, there's punishment there for you when you're not in line with the kingdom of God, and it's not God punishing you. It's the law that punishes you, not God. So another thing that goes on, basically, all nations have a moral code. A moral code is basically what people agree on. You know, simple things. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. All part of a moral code. Marriage. One man, one woman. Moral code. Moral codes are taught and they are learned. So from a child, if I grew up in a family that basically my husband went through four wives and basically was out sleeping around with anybody else, I grew up in that culture and that was my culture. That's what I believe. That's what I trusted in. That's who I was. There's people who grew up in a family who are Democrat or Republican. They don't know anything about politics, but they are what they are because their parents were when they were. 
So what is that? That's part of culture again. You grew up in a white neighborhood, you may have trouble with blacks. You grew up in a black neighborhood, you may all what you were taught and all what they gave you basically is what you believed. So your culture, and I'll tell you, many times, you know, we deal with generational curses that come down. Many times generational curses can be changed and delivered from simply by changing your culture, the way that you think. And when you think the way that you think, because let's face it, we all got things from our parents, from our neighbors, from our friends, from the little town that we lived in, and that's what we were instructed under. And that was passed down for generations. And we're the next generation. We can pass it down the way it is. Or we can change to the kingdom culture and change the way some things that we thought and some things we believed. And the problem with culture, if you're brought up in a place where you're taught different things and you believe them, you will fight for what's wrong. Why? Because you believe it's right. So you'll even go to fight for something that's wrong simply because your culture came and you grew up in that area of your life. Another thing that every government has is a constitution. A constitution basically is a contract between the government or the king and between his people. Everyone has that. Every country has a shared values. In other words, they share their values. They were founded on values. They're supposed to stick to those values in the government. The United States was started on one nation under God. How many know that's deteriorating? In God we trust on our money, trying to remove it. You can see how the culture is our main problem right now. Not Russia, not Iraq, not Iran. The culture that's going on right here is here to destroy a country, basically, because culture is the foundation. Every country has customs. They basically dress a certain way. They basically act a certain way. They basically came up that way. A lot of people have accents, basically, that are different from one another. All that came from culture, basically. You weren't born with all this stuff. You were born, and then you received all this stuff in the blank mind. That's why in the Bible it says, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God and be prosperous, you need to become as a little... Why? That means forget. Remember what Paul called it? Everything I learned up to this point, dung. I learned a bunch of dung in my culture, and I've got to change it. I've got to go with God's culture. So basically, he was saying at that time that there must be stuff changes in his life in order to do it. So the breakdown of a government a lot of times is a breakdown of culture. If you want to be in line with a government, you want to be lawful, you have to find out what their culture is, and you have to change your way of thinking and your culture to line up with the kingdom of God. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 4. I mean, people grow up in big cities, and they're used to everything. You know, when you live in a big city, you run into everything when you're in there. Well, I grew up in a small town. So, you know, when anybody talked about somebody getting picked up for drugs or something else, I thought there was probably 15 people in the United States with drug problems because everybody I was around didn't have drugs problems. They didn't deal on that kind of stuff. Then when I started watching cops, I found out that everybody they stop has drugs in their car, for gosh sakes. Well, that wasn't my culture. That wasn't, it was hard for me to understand, why are people doing this? Why does everybody got this? Why is everybody smoking this? Why is it do- and I mean, you could walk up to me and smoke it back then. I thought probably smoking a cigar. I didn't even know what it was at that time. Why? Because I was raised in a different culture. Now, somebody in a big city, I mean, they, they, could, they could smell it four miles off. There was somebody over there smoking, smoking a doobie. Why is that? Once again, because of different cultures. You see, we're raised in different cultures. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 22. It says here that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and what? True holiness. 
So here you can see it's talking about, and if you want to put that in natural language, that you put off concerning your former culture that you learned over your years of time until you came into the kingdom of God. Now you've got to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and what? True holiness. So here it's talking about a change, and this change takes place where? In your mind. It's in your thought life. We all came to think by the environment that we grew up in. Our intellect basically interacts with our environment and produces a way of thinking in us that becomes one way of life. We become trained in our culture. None of us, once again, was born with a culture. We were born into a culture, but we now have a culture, basically, and that culture came from what we were doing. So culture is the customary beliefs and the material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. Culture means to grow into a prepared medium in a certain environment. So where you were born made a difference. How many of you know that? Who your parents were made a difference. And this is what you've got to understand as parents. You are the ones mainly there to set up the culture for your children. For years, you know, things got a little bit different after the wars and stuff. Pretty soon the woman's working, the man's working. And we trusted the culture to our kids, to the schools to Sunday school, to just that, when it's our job to bring the culture up in their beliefs and in their morals and everything else. So people are being raised in the schools, and we already know the wrong culture has gotten into schools. So what's it doing? All at once your kid turns 16, and they're doing everything that you never, never thought they would do, but you never cultured them out of that into what was right. So we're culturing. Even when we get older now, what we're doing here is we're culturing you. We're trying to get you to change some of the ways that you think that are still old thoughts that don't work for you and switch them over to the kingdom culture, which basically line you up with the things of God. So each of us arrived on earth. Me, I was in a prepared culture. I was in a small little town in New Washington, Ohio. There I was. I learned how to be jealous. I learned how to be mad at people. I learned how to be upset at people. I learned how to hold grudges. I learned how to all these things that everybody taught me. Then one day, I got born again. And all at once, everything changed because what I was cultured in and used to do, for some reason, I could no longer do. Some of the things I didn't want to do, some of the days, things I still wanted to do, but when I did them, it didn't, wasn't much fun as it was before because I had changed kingdoms and actually moved into a different government with a different culture. So after 20, 30, 40 years, all at once you get born into the kingdom of God. Now you're starting all over again. So like the Bible says, you need to become as a little child. You need to forget the things that are behind and start going towards the things that are above. You no longer fight and, and hoard money. You learn to give. And by giving, it's given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. When somebody cusses you out, you don't get to cuss them out anymore. You've got to bless them when they cuss you out. When somebody hurts you, you can't get mad and tell the whole town. No, you've got to forgive them. You can't get offended anymore. All at once, all these different things started coming in your life. And the only reason you can possibly get that done is by doing what the word says to do. I hear so much. I know what the word says. Good for you. Are you doing what the word tells you to do, or do you just know what the word tells you to do? If you know what the word tells you to do and you don't do it, then you're never going to change because we do it, we, we purify our souls by obeying the truth through the spirit of God. So even when you don't feel like blessing somebody and you just want to cuss them out, you pull a blessing up from somewhere and you bless them. What would you do? You just started to renew your soul, didn't you? Your soul says, oh, we're going to start doing this now. We never did that before. And then you do it the second time. It's going to say, my God, what's going on here? Uh, that's not the way I used to do it. And your feelings and emotions are gone. What's going on here? I don't know what's going on here. This thing isn't as fun as me. I want to scream. I want to holler. And what are you doing? You're slowly purifying your mind by changing your culture that's in your life, and you're getting rid of the old culture that was there. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. 
Many people who grew up in a relation that drinks a lot and drinks all the time. I mean, you're still drinking at 19. You're still drinking at 20. Some of them, if they don't move into the kingdom of God, are still the same as they were now in their 70s as they were in their 20s. They're still in the bar. They're still getting drunk. Why is that? Because that's the culture they learned. That's the culture they taught their kids. And that's where they're still at, in that same place. They never changed the culture, never got born into the kingdom of God. But since we're kingdom people, we can start changing not only the culture in people around us, but also in our life first. How many know what happens here first? And we can influence our kids. With me more, I've got greater understanding. I believe I can influence my grandkids more than my children because I didn't know a whole lot when my children were growing up, and I know a lot more when my kids. So what do we do? We love the heck out of them. We want them to know that this is a love world. This is a love society. We, we get kisses when we come. We get kisses when we go. We, why is that? Because that's the kind of atmosphere we want to create in those little kids, and when they grow up, they'll think that's normal. They'll wonder why you're leaving your mom and dad. You didn't even wave goodbye. You didn't even kiss them. What's the matter with you? And and other people say, well, you're just weird because hey, we don't do that to our parents. And, and they're going to run into cultures like that. But we have an opportunity to change the cultures of people and bring them up in the right culture. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So culture, once again, it includes laws. It includes language and morals and beliefs and attitudes Culture is at the very center of the conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Here it says when you got born again to the kingdom of God, you were delivered from the power of darkness and you've been translated into the kingdom of light. It also says now the battle on this earth is the battle over culture. Culture is a manifestation of the collective thinking of a people. Whatever the people think, their beliefs, their values, their ideals will become the culture. So that tells me one thing. Whoever controls the minds of the people controls the culture because it's all about the mind of the people. And you take a look now, I mean, who controls the newspaper? Who controls the TV shows? Who controls the news media? Who controls the colleges? Who controls the schools? What is it? It's all an underlying attack on the minds of people to get their culture. I mean, you've got young people growing up right now. When I was growing up, I wasn't even saved, and I knew killing babies was wrong. I mean, I'm, I wasn't even saved. I was not drinking every night, doing everything you do wrong, but I at least knew that much. But now you've got kids coming up who are 17, 18, 19, and they believe abortion is just fine, and gay marriage is just fine, and all these things. Where did they get that? And we want to get mad at them. No, the culture that they came in underneath is what made them that way, and that's the way that they are. Well, that's what my parents thought. That's what my grandparents, that's what the school taught me. So that's what they become. They just don't sit down and ponder this stuff and make a decision. Your culture is over a daily basis and who you run into into you don't and everything that you see on TV now is slowly hitting the culture slowly hitting this is okay don't worry about it that's if it feels good do it this is the way we do it and they make you the villain on the backside because if you love them you wouldn't criticize them because we love everybody but then they'll criticize you where's the love there see but that's not the way it is. So the culture, it keeps coming and it keeps coming. It goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation because that's where people are brought up. Go to Proverbs chapter 23. Okay, Proverbs chapter 23, look what it says in verse 7. The beginning of it says, For as he thinks 
in his heart, so is he. As he thinks, now how many know you use your mind to think, use your soul to think, as he thinks, so he will become, basically. So we've all become, why have we become what we've become? Because we've been cultured into where we're at right now. That's where we're at. This is everything from the parents to people we ran into to the word of God to everything tries to affect the culture that each and every one of us have. So basically, if we're born again, then we've got to understand our culture is we have been created after God in righteousness and true holiness. That's who I am. Well, you don't look like that. Doesn't matter what I look like. It matters what I'm being cultured into. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I never have a bad day. I don't have to sin anymore. I have power over sin. I can walk free again. All these things are different ways of thinking. And just because you get into religion, don't think that you're changing your culture sometimes. Because culture will make you a bigger victim than the world. He'll tell you, that's just too bad. You know, that's the way it is. That's the way this world is. It's the way it goes. It's what God wants. You know, God, God is sick. And then, you know, we went to, went to a get-together a while back, and, I mean, somebody was sitting there talking about sickness and disease, and, I mean, it's really tough sometimes. How many of you know that? And, I mean, they just said, oh, well, you know, they, that's the way he's been, and he keeps getting worse and worse. But, you know, whatever God wants, that's what we want. And if God just wants him to get worse and worse, that's fine because we know God's in control of everything. And, and if he dies, God wants him up there because they need another angel up there. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm going to about ready to, my culture's about ready to act. Come on, but before, when you first got born again, you'd probably said, amen, amen, amen. But something's changed. Since that time, and you don't think that way anymore. You've been cultured different. You now speak to things in the name of Jesus. You now believe in divine health. You now run the devil off when he comes. You now, and to people who haven't been cultured, how many know you look like a weirdo? Because they were not brought up in the culture of God, basically. So you can see the culture. Look at the world. What's successful? The best basketball player. The the pitcher making $42 million a year. People will line up and and try to get a, a... autograph from that person or the favorite singer or all this stuff. Let me tell you, those people aren't anything unless they're in the kingdom of God and doing what God wants them to do. I don't care how much money they got. I don't care how good their voice is. I don't want an autograph from anybody. I'll be honest with you right now. I don't want one. To me, they're ordinary people and they're either living for God or they're not living for God at this point. So basically, we've got to come out of the world standards of what's successful, who's successful. Oh, I want to be like them. And how many know they're the role models for a lot of little kids? See? Well, that one, I say, well, I want to be when I grow up. Well, you shouldn't want to be that because look at their, you know, they've had 14 wives. They've got divorced twice. They're having affairs. They're out there cussing, swearing. Doing, I mean, that's not it. So basically what success basically in the kingdom of God is growing up in the culture of God and, and acting in the culture of God so that we're representatives for him in this world. All right, go to Matthew chapter 13. Okay, Matthew 13, look at verse 15. It says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted or changed, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Notice, we are a privileged generation. 
We're privileged. Why? Because our eyes can be opened up to a king and his kingdom, not just a religiosity and that kind of stuff. But notice what it says. You need understanding of the kingdom culture in order to be converted. So you have to understand what the kingdom says, how the culture tells you to react and act in every situation. You have to study to find out how I should be living, how I should be doing things. And when you understand that, you are converted or healed. When? When you understand in your heart. Say, when I understand in my heart. Notice, not in your head, but in your heart. When you understand it in your heart, you won't have to consult your head anymore. Your heart will consult your head and tell you what to do. That's when it becomes what they call a revelation to you. So you'll not experience anything until you basically understand what it's saying and you be converted. So basically the greatest enemy of anybody in the world or anybody who's been born of the kingdom of God is one simple thing. It's ignorance. It's not the devil. It's not demons. It is ignorance. Because if you're ignorant of the things of the spiritual realm, it doesn't really matter what else happens. You're not going to do very good at all. We can sing songs. We can prophesy. We can heal. We can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But basically, we'll have very little success until we understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, which talks about the culture of God. And notice, the more you learn, the less fear you have in your life. When you learn things, then you're not afraid of them anymore. All right, let's take it. My wife got a new laptop, and she brings it to me, and she wants help with it. And guess how much help she got? None. So we both don't know how to run the laptop. She's a little bit nervous about her stuff and all this, and, and how to put this on there and how to do all this stuff. So we go to Cody and Patrick, and how many know there's no stress there? Oh, you say, what happened? They have been cultured in computerism. And we have ignorant in computerism. So when we have a trouble with a computer, ah! When they have a trouble with a the computer, they fix it. Yeah. See? I, I remember when I used to play golf. For a long time, I first started out playing golf. And one thing I hated more than anything else was to get it in a sand trap. I could hit the ball good. I could putt well. I could do that. That dang thing got in a trap. So I practiced. And when I learned how to hit it out of the sand trap, I was no longer afraid to end up in the sand trap because I could hit out of it. Anyway, what happened? At first, I was cultured, to, oh, a sand trap. Oh, my, you'd think it was leprosy, for God's sakes. <laughs> but no, it was a sand trap, Saul. But when you learn, so the more knowledge you get, the less fear and worry you're going to be in because you know the answer to that situation and you know how to handle that situation. So understanding the mysteries of the kingdom. Look at verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Okay, what's it talking about? It's talking about somebody preaching what? Preaching what? Preaching what? Word of the kingdom. Say the word of the kingdom. Notice, they weren't preaching faith. They weren't preaching healing. They were preaching what? Word of the kingdom. As soon as they preached the word of the kingdom, even though they didn't understand it, somebody came to steal it. Now, how many think that maybe he thinks it's pretty important that he get it before you even start to understand the darn thing? Because if you understand it, he knows that he's in trouble, basically. So as you start to understand things, your kingdom walk gets easier. And when it gets easier, there's more joy and there's more peace when you're not worried and in fear 90% of the day. And basically, when you read about the kingdom of God, you'll find out that the devil's already defeated. Yes. Few people know that. You are a king and a priest unto God. Hardly anybody knows that. You are a son of the living God. Nobody really understands that, even most Christians. You're a citizen and heir of God. Very few believe it. But when you start believing those things, which is the culture of the kingdom, you will start acting like those things. As a man thinks in his heart, so is 
So what am I going to start acting like a king? I'm going to start acting like a son of God. I'm going to act like the things of God. I'm going to know right from wrong. Not going to guess or, or get it. Because many of the things that we were taught that aren't even really wrong, they're wrong in the kingdom of God. They're right in the world, but wrong in the kingdom of God. So you can't go to somebody in the world and find out whether they think they're right or wrong or not. You've got to go to God in this book, basically, to find out what's right and what's wrong. So the more that I learned. When I learned that I could live in victory, it was a revelation. I was a victim. I was just hanging on till I got to heaven. That's all I wanted to do. I was going to try to attend church every Sunday for an hour because if I didn't, I was going to go to hell. I was going to go, uh, go to confession. Why? Because I was going to go to hell if I didn't. So I was doing everything not to go to hell, not to live. But when I found out all that stuff really don't make that much difference because I'm in the kingdom of God and I've already got heaven, basically. And I'm going to start walking in the culture of God. So now the devil doesn't bother me anymore, praise God. When sickness and disease comes, I stand against sickness and disease. I ain't got time to worry anymore. I've got no more bad days anymore. Every morning and I get up say the same, no more bad days, praise God. And if you do that every morning, I'll tell you it's going to start to work pretty soon. You're going to start to believe it. And you're going to start to say, well, it seems like it's going to be a bad day, but I don't have bad days anymore because I never have bad days because the Bible never promised you a bad day. It's never in here. But you talk to somebody else, oh, yeah, oh, oh yes, brother. You're going to have some bad days, I'm telling you right now. It's going to be tough, tough, tough to be a Christian. No, it's not. People told me how bad it was to become a pastor. My God, you're never going to make it. And they prophesied over me, dear Lord, the day that they called me into the ministry. Oh, brother, it's going to be so hard. And there's going to be times when you think you're going to die, but you're going to make it through. I thought, dear God, what did I get into here? And I started reading a book, and I can't find out anywhere about anybody dying. I see about somebody living in victory, somebody with the power of God on the inside of them, somebody with the word of God, somebody knows how to act in every situation. I never saw Jesus as, oh, God, help me. He didn't do that because he knew what to do in every situation. The boat's starting to sink. He got up and rebuked the stuff. Praise God. His disciples were in trouble. He walked out on the water and got them. Praise God. Wouldn't you love to do that? I'd like to have a relation out in a boat, and the boat's going like this. And he said, wait a minute. I got you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, it must be available to us. I mean, Jesus did it, for goodness sakes. And he said, we can do the same things as he can. So, But you don't want to take two steps and start to fear. Because I heard that that doesn't work out very good. Praise God. All right, go to Luke 17. I love where it says, and Peter, beginning to sink. Yeah. Nobody begins to sink. You sink. All right, Luke 17. All right, look at verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there, or behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. So the kingdom of God, you're not only in the kingdom, but the kingdom is also on the inside of you. In other words, you have God's nature on the inside of you. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience. All is on the inside of us. So that culture that we need is on the inside of us. It's only activated when you understand that you have it and agree with it. You have to agree with what God gave you in order to activate it in your life. If you're going to continue to disagree with it, it's never going to work. Well, brother, you're the righteousness of God. I'm not righteous. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been born again. No, no, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I've always got to sin. I'm sinning all the time. And you'll continue to sin all the time because you're in one kingdom where there's a culture, but you're still living in the other culture. So it doesn't change anything in your life. You've got to make the adjustment from one to the other. So basically the kingdom becomes part of each and every one of us. The Bible says you are in the world, 
but you are not of the world. Why? Because you have been changed. There should be a change that takes place in your life on a daily basis every single day of your life. You should be changing more. That's why we read the book. That's why we listen to tapes. That's why we do things because there's always correction in these places in order to do it. So we want to live differently. We don't want to live like everybody else that we run into. We, don't, we want people to know that we're from a different kingdom, and which means if we're living in the kingdom, we should be joyful because we're obeying the kingdom. We should be happy because we're in the kingdom. You shouldn't be depressed and down and out and try to bring people into your culture. They're already there. You're both living in the same culture, basically, because you're not believing the kingdom of God, basically, so it's not working for either one of you at this time. So we want to get into the culture of heaven. We want to do it. You don't need a T-shirt. You shouldn't need a hat. You don't need a giant crucifix. If you want to wear that stuff, that's fine. But don't wear it simply. Come on. You don't wear it simply to show people you're a Christian. And certainly don't wear one if, if you're acting like a fool. I mean, you're out there cussing somebody out and it says, Jesus loves me on my T-shirt. Dear Lord, take the thing off. See, because that's not a good advertisement, is it? But we have people out there. Why is that? Because they believe you get born again. That's it. We're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Now I'm just going to live my life the way I do. But there needs to be the culture change that can take place. The potential is on the inside of each and every one of us. And how far you go in the kingdom culture is up to you, not up to anybody else. Oh, God changed me. He's trying to believe me. Change me, change me. He can't change you. He told you how to be changed. You go to the Bible. You find out. The Holy Ghost instructs you. It shows you how to do things, how to do things, basically. And it changes, praise God, in your life. We've been taught that sin's normal. Well, if sin's normal, it wouldn't kill you. The wages of sin is? So that can't be normal because anything normal for you shouldn't kill you. So basically, the kingdom and not sinning is normal for you because that don't kill you. It gives you something called life. We're like our Father. Jesus came and said, if you've seen me, you've... Well, if you've seen somebody in the kingdom of God, you've seen the Father. See, we should be the whole way. We don't partake anymore in dirty stories that our friends have. We don't stand around people who are cussing and join in with some cuss words just to be part of their stuff. We don't conform to this world's culture when it comes to marriage, when it comes to divorce, it comes to shacking up, it comes to the sanctity of life. All these things, we think differently about these things because that is the kingdom culture. Everywhere we go and everything that we do lines up with the kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. We don't say that we're poor people anymore. I love going every time we go over there. We go by that one barn over there on 27, that big place. It's got a gas station. It's got a big barn on the back. And on the side, it says broken poor. <laughs> big letters. And every time we go down there, Becky says, there's never a car there. I said, I wonder why. I wonder why nobody's getting gas there. I can tell you why, because they're broken poor. They're having a good time with that. No, you can't do that. I mean, I'd want to go out there and race it some night and put rich and famous or something on the thing just to boost their stuff, for God's sakes. But see, but that's the attitude of a lot of Christians. Poor, poor, pity for me. God doesn't care about me. Nobody loves me. Blah, 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 blah. Well, when you come into the kingdom of God, Jesus made the statement, who, he who is not with me is against me. So we don't want to live in both cultures, do we? We don't want to Monday and Tuesday live in this culture, then Wednesday, kingdom culture, then Thursday, Friday, this culture, then Sunday. My God, Sunday is definitely a kingdom culture day for each and every one of us because we are blessed, we are holy, and we are righteous on that day. How you doing, brother? Blessed, praise God. So we're a peculiar people. When we work, we're going to be different than everybody else who works. In our marriage, we're going to... 
demonstrate a marriage what it should be like and what it shouldn't be like. If you're starting to date, then you're going to date like someone. In your house, there's going to be peace and joy in your house. How many know you can sense that when you walk into somebody's house if there's been a fight? It's like you've got to cut through the crap just to get in the front door. Why is that? Because all that stuff is spiritual stuff that takes place. All right, go to 1 John chapter 2. All right, 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15. The Word of God tells you to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides how long? Forever. Now, this is an explanation of the kingdom culture. I got a prophecy over me in 2003, I think it was a long time ago. Can you remember who gave it? One of the things they said was continue to release yourself from the lust and the things of the world, and your ministry and revelation will keep going for you. And for some reason, that struck me at the time. I don't know why. So since that time, I've been trying to block out the things of the world. I don't care if I live in a mansion or I don't. I don't care if I drive a real good car or I don't. Things don't matter to me, basically. Not anymore. What? God's will is the only thing that matters to me. You've got to be careful. You know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, things are out there. I mean, if you've got to go to a store and basically buy something every time you walk in, you're basically lusting after something, probably. See, but those things aren't important and they'll throw you off, especially when you get your credit card bill. Then once worry and fear comes in. So we want to line up with the will of God. Say the will of God. We don't want to blend in with the world. So are, are you the best worker at your job? You should be the best worker there. Are you on time for work? Are you on time for meetings? Are you on time for church? These things are all kingdom things that he does. People say, well, God's never late. Then why are you? <laughs> Come on, think about it. We don't even think about this stuff. But yeah, if I'm going to be godly and God's never late, then I've got to be on time. I mean, it just makes sense to me. It's our, is our word good? Is what you say, you then do it? Or do you say it, then don't do it? See, it makes a difference. If you say you're going to be somewhere, do you show up there or do you not show up there? And everybody wonders what the heck happened to you. See, they're all things that we do, basically, that are kingdom of God things. When we say something, we're going to do it. When we say we're going to be there, we're going to be there, praise God. If we're going to go here and help you, then we're going to be there and we're going to help you. Are we honest in our talk and our dealings? Is honesty the best policy or the only policy? See, we want to be honest, don't we? We want to be all these situations. I can remember one time, I can't remember what store I was in now, but I left the store and I bought something. When I came out, they'd give me an extra $10 bill. So I turned around and went back in. And I just said, hey, I said, uh, you gave me the wrong change. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've been so messed up today. I just couldn't get you. And they said, no, you gave me $10 too much. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Why did you come back in to give me the $10 you gave me that was too much? Nobody's ever did that to me before, and I've been cashiering a long time. When they get it, they just run right out of the place. What did it do? It made an impact on her that you just be a simple honesty. How many know that is about as simple as you can get? But to her, my God, it was like the world was shaken because somebody returned the extra money, and her cashier was going to come out that night, and her register wasn't going to be right or whatever, just because they took the money back. Now, how many know she probably gets a lot of people if she shorts them? 
See, then honesty is the best policy, bless God. But if it goes the other way around, then we do those things. So we want to do the extra things. If we want to learn how to live in the culture of the kingdom, we must learn the values of the kingdom. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5, this is pretty important here. Look at verse 3. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The answer to the poor in spirit is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed they are meek, for they shall inherit what? Notice, not heaven, they'll inherit what? The earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they shall... See God, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you when men shall revile you, when they persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Hallelujah. How many know that's the way of the world? Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you spend all morning praying for that verse? No, that's completely opposite thinking. I mean, it doesn't even make sense for us to be persecuted and be put down and that we're blessed in that situation. You think that you're anything but blessed. But that's the way the kingdom of thinking does. So here was Jesus. Right away, he breaks in. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He starts breaking it down. This is what you do. Peace, this is what you do. Joy, this is what you do. This is what you do. When somebody persecutes you, you jump for joy. When somebody, and how many think it might have shaken these people up a little bit too, probably? So what was he doing? He was telling them what their attitude should be. What is the kingdom culture? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is goodness. It is faithfulness, gentleness, and it is self-control. That's who we are. That's what we do. Now, we're not used to doing that when we came out, so we've got to be in the kingdom of God, know how to do it, and then obey the word every chance we get to change the way we're thinking and renew our minds. I always remember the story that I heard one time of a little girl who was poor and basically couldn't find, get a bicycle, and somebody got one out of the trash for her, and she got it to ride, and the thing, the handlebars were bent on it, but the wheel was straight. So she drove, but she still drove like this, and she was so happy to have a bike, and she drove it around for about a year, and then somebody saw her driving that bike and said, that's terrible, so they bought her a brand new bike, and every time she got on it, she fell off. She got on again and fell off, said, this bike ain't no good, I can't even ride it, but she got naturalized to something that wasn't, you see? So, so she, she had to have crooked handlebars in order to ride a bike, which everybody else, nobody would ride a bike that way. And you, you gave her the right thing, and it didn't make any sense to her, and she couldn't ride the bike anymore. That's the way it is with the kingdom of God sometimes. And even sometimes when you do what the kingdom of God tells you, it doesn't look like it's worketh <laughs> Yeah. Well, I did what you said, God, but my God, they still hate my guts, and they're still talking about it. I thought they were going to give me a big hug when I told them I didn't forgave them. Or no, the big hug didn't come, praise God. See? And now what are you going to do about it? Well, let's just step in this other culture just for a couple days here. We're going to take a culture break. Yeah, see, but you can't do that, can you? You did what you were supposed to do. Now you just stay there, and you let things happen the way they happen. 
We think everything's going to be peachy keen just as soon as we do it. And it doesn't work that way, praise God, sometimes. But we're going to stay in the culture of God. We're going to do what we're supposed to do, praise God, because that's what we're here for. And everything that we do, we must do it in excellence, leading the way for everyone else rather than following the world's ways. I'll tell you, I've dealt with some Christian businesses that I'm sorry they call themselves Christian because they didn't show up. They didn't do the job right. They didn't do the job on time. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. Then they wanted more money before they even finished at the end because they didn't have any money. It took my money at the beginning and used it on another job because that job needed the money for it. And, but they said they're Christian businesses. Don't tell anybody again. See, it shouldn't be that way. If you're going to be a kingdom person, then you've got to be a kingdom person. People got to know that you're a kingdom person on your job and every place else. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll tell you, even when people are making fun of you when you're living a kingdom life, deep inside, they recognize it and they want to live that kind of life. And even though they talk about you, they really appreciate the way you're doing things to begin with. I always take back when I was in the post office and we worked there and basically, you know, I was on time. I was like the second one of the time clock every morning. If they gave me extra routes to do, I did them. I never got mad or did anything. I just did what I was supposed to do there. And of course, everybody comes up and says, brown noser brown noser, always showing up there on time, whose butt you kissing today, bah, 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 bah. But then when it came time one year when they voted on the carrier of the year who they respected the most, guess who got the old Mr. Brown Nose here? <laughs> got the check for $300, praise God, thank you very much, glory to God. Why? Because deep inside, they know they, know they should be doing that, they know they should be acting that way, everybody wants to be in peace and joy and act that way. Nobody wants to walk in 15 minutes late and have to punch that clock and then get called in the office again for being late the 15th time in the last you know, 16 days. Nobody wants that. So you can't tell by what people look at you and think you and think you're crazy. Deep on the inside, there's something going on there. You're witnessing at that time. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 9. For you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. It's talking about culture, isn't it? into his marvelous what? Light. So here it is, basically, when we got born again, he's taken us from one culture to another culture. Most of you if, you, if you had a diary and you go back 10 years ago and you got born again and read what you did the first year, you'd be surprised at how bad you were the first year compared to what you are now. You'd say, who's that person? My God, I wonder who that would have been. You. That's where we were at. But we're growing each and every year, aren't we? We're growing more and more each and every day. Every circumstance and situation. James puts it this way, count it all joy. When you run into trials and temptations, it's another chance to practice the culture. And how many of you count it all joy when you run into trials? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Car broke down. Glory. <laughs> no, it's more like, help me somebody. See? And you read those scriptures and you don't say, oh, what is this guy, an idiot? I mean, what's he thinking about when you read it in your mind? But when you understand that he is trying to change the culture of you and the people who you are, and that's the way you do it, another opportunity, another opportunity. You can practice all day long. The more people you run into, the more people you work around, the more friction you run into is another chance to change and another chance to grow if you decide to do it. So we're going to come to a place as a peculiar people where one day it will be more important, to be honest, than to have a new car. One day it's, it's going to be more important to meet someone else's needs rather than our needs. Someday we're going to be more excited to love others rather than to be loved. 
We're going to come to a place where we'll pray for the kingdom to come rather than for our things we want to come. Those are all the adjustments that you have. One of the adjustments in your prayer life is when you start praying for God's will rather than your will, for God's things rather than your things. That's when you made a big adjustment there and understand that God may be a little bit more important than you are. All right, go to Romans 14. All right, Romans chapter 14, look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God, here he's talking about the kingdom of God, it's not meat, it's not drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. So here he's talking about what? The kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom life. He says the kingdom life and culture is not what we eat, not what we drink, not what we have, not the car that we drive, not how much money we got, not in religious works, not in titles, pastor, apostle. You know, some people got so many names that you can't even follow. Pastor, apostle, evangelist, blah, 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 blah. But it's not in names either. Basically here it says it's living in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now notice they put them in that order because they're in that order. When you're living in right alignment with God, you'll have peace. When you have peace, you'll have joy. You take the righteousness away and put guilt in there, you've just lost peace and joy. So the righteousness is a key thing. You've been put in right alignment through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to stay there, aren't we? And if we make a little boo-boo and sneak in this nature for a little bit, we're going to repent right there and move right back into the other nature and move back into our peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to stop worrying. We're going to stop pursuing things. We're going to start ruling things rather than pursuing things because that's what we were put here to do. We're going to focus on the kingdom priorities. What are they? The kingdom of God and His righteousness, my right alignment in that kingdom. I just want to stay in line with the things of the kingdom. In order to extend the kingdom of God, we need to learn and to live in a kingdom culture ourselves. God desires to extend his culture in dress, language, morals, values from the home country of heaven. And this is why when you're in a church, you've got to be careful because some people come in off the street. Maybe they just got born again. They know nothing about the kingdom culture and they're walking in and you don't like what they're wearing. You know, I'm talking about they're hanging out all over the place. Well, we don't want to throw them out or correct them. We want the Spirit of God to work His... Now, if you've been in the church for 20 years and you come in, then you may get corrected. Are you following me? I mean, the Holy Ghost should have mentioned something about it here sooner or later that you didn't listen to. But right off the street, I mean, people are just going to come. They don't know the change. They may talk to you afterwards and use F-U-C-K every other word. It's all right. Give the Holy Ghost a chance, for gosh sakes, to move them out of that culture. They just got born again a week ago. What do you think? They're going to be instant like you? No, they're not going to be that. Well, you've been on this for 10, 15, 20 years. So we don't want to judge anybody what they look like, how they act, how they do anything. But we want to help them slowly grow. We want to, you know, move them up. And they'll learn. The Holy Ghost knows what he's doing, and he'll do the job. So what do we want to do? We're once again extending the kingdom of heaven, its culture, its ways, into the earth realm. And we're doing that basically so that it spreads throughout everybody. So everybody, I mean, everybody out there, no matter how bad they are, can still get born again into the kingdom of God and change the culture. It's there. When we took a, we took a cruise one year and we went way out in the West Coast, and I think we went up like San Francisco, Los Angeles, all these places out there. And basically every one of the cities is, you get on that little tour bus, and of course they take you around the poor tour. And every place you go, you come to a place that says uh, Chinatown. 
And you go through this little Chinese banner, and you go in there, and everybody in there is Chinese, and everybody's serving Chinese food, and everybody in there talking Chinese, and you go through there, and I mean, you wouldn't stop and say, where's the nearest pizza place? You wouldn't say, is there a McDonald's up the street? Because the answer is going to be no. Well, what have they done? They've come to a part of a different country. They've established their culture in that little section. They talk the same. The land, if you come in there, you're going to become Chinese. I can guarantee you that. All the writing's in Chinese. All the talk's in Chinese. And it's become Chinatown. Well, we're trying to create kingdom of God town. We're trying to have little places where everybody talks. Everybody talks in line with the word of God. Everybody's growing in the things of God. Everybody's understanding the things of God. And basically, the more that culture comes in a church, I believe that's where the power is. See, that's where it is in a church. When people think alike, people talk alike. And I'm just even talking about tongues. I'm talking about talk faith, talk in line with the kingdom, aren't down and out, aren't low, aren't having problems all the time. Aren't Those are people who have not switched cultures yet. See, there, there's a victorious culture and there's a defeatist culture. And you've got to be careful because it feels so good oh, to be in the self-pity culture. Oh, my goodness sakes. Don't anybody care? Don't you care? Yeah, if I cared, I'd slap you. <laughs> See? Why? Because that's where they're at, and that, it feels good. It does feel good, but it's not going to help them. It's not going to help their emotions. It's not going to harry anything about them. All right, verse 18. I've got to get going. For he that in these things, in what things? Righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Ghost. What are they? They are acceptable to God, and they are what? Approved of men. Now, I thought I would not be approved of men when I acted in a godly culture, but deep inside you're approved of men because in their heart they lost the kingdom too and they're looking for the kingdom and they want the kingdom. They don't want the drugs they got. They don't want the alcohol they got. They don't want the sex they got. They don't want any of that kind of stuff. They're actually wanting the kingdom of God. So here it says this is the way we serve Christ. So we can clap and that's okay. We can worship, that's okay. We, we can work at church. We can work at bingo. We can do whatever. But notice the main thing to serve Christ is to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost in the kingdom culture that he gave to us. So we live in right standing with God. We'll have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, which is the kingdom culture. We are to seek diligently to understand the kingdom culture and then apply it to our lives. Our kingdom demands our best. He deserves nothing less. The battle for earth is the battle of culture between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. God desires to extend his culture, his will, his morals, his intents, his values, into the world culture, and he's going to do that through his wonderful citizens who are walking in the culture of God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you, Lord, once again, opening our eyes to the culture. Father, I pray right now that the Spirit of God inside of each and every one of the people here and myself would be a little extra sensitive tomorrow as we go forth, and every time we get an opportunity to obey the kingdom of God culture over the other culture, your Spirit of God is loud and clear on what we should do in that situation. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to change our minds, to adjust our minds, to renew our minds through your word, and we thank you for those times that you give us that opportunity to do it. Father, we just love you. We thank you for what you're showing us in your kingdom. We're happy to be able to serve you and be close to you and love you and we just thank you for all that you're doing in this church and in our minds in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. okay